football talk like you've never heard before. The pinky finger goes up the nose. Ugh. From the tailgates. A million percent correct. Those are the best fries in the universe. To the touchdowns. He's going for the corner. He's got it. We have everything covered. Place at the table. <laughs> Here's Andy Staples. His squad is in the house. Welcome to the Place at the Table podcast. And I am very, very excited about today's guest, our own Brett McMurphy. You you are our own, right, Brett? Not anybody else's own. Andy, I'm always your own. We go back way too long. Absolutely. That's, so for those who don't know, Brett and I used to work together at the Tampa Tribune. And actually, even before I was a full-time employee at the Tampa Tribune, I was a what they called a super correspondent. There was nothing super about me. It just meant that I wrote a lot of freelance stories for them. And I was assigned to be Brett's kind of assistant, do boy, coffee grabber, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, basically, when he was too busy to, to cover a USF practice, I lived in a horrible apartment contract complex across the street and could get over there. Uh, that arrangement, what did that arrangement last, like two weeks? <laughs> 13 days, but who's counting? We, we, we covered a USF Jacksonville State game. And then I got hired by the Chattanooga Tigers Free Press to cover Tennessee. And I was like, bye. <laughs> Super did not describe the pay at that time. Or now, It did actually. not. Or at any time during our Tampa Tribune employment. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about the coaching carousel and the postmortem. Brett broke a lot of news on the coaching carousel. But you're probably wondering, if you follow college football, you know, Brett broke this news on Facebook, on his own Facebook page. Uh, because Brett was one of the, the folks who got let go by ESPN last April. So, Brett, what, what are you, why are you still working right now? Good question, Andy. Um, I'm currently still under contract with ESPN, and so basically what that means is I can't work for a third party. Uh, if I do, then I will no longer get paid by ESPN. However, I can work for myself. I can tweet and I put stuff on Facebook. So basically – you know, when this happened in April, this was a, you know, a big shock um, to me and to everybody else. And basically, I had two choices. I could sit on the couch all day and eat fiddle-faddle and not do anything. And then when on August 2018 rolled around, then I could say, hey, guys, who wants, who wants to hire me? I haven't done anything for the past uh, 18 months. Or I could think, you know what, I'm going to continue to try to break news, do, you know, try to stay relevant in college football. I've got a number of contacts and sources who talked to me when I was at the Tampa Tribune. They, they talked to me when I was at CBS, they talked to me at ESPN. I'm sure they will talk to me now that I'm on just reporting stuff on Twitter. And so that's basically what I did. I, I did bold projections each week. I, you know, tried to come up with, with coaching news. Um, you know, tried to do a couple of um, news stories kind of off the beaten path that maybe people weren't thinking about. And basically the, the thinking was, you know what, if, if I can do this when I don't have a job, then when August rolls around, then, then possibly somebody out there is going to go, wow, you know what, he, you know, he busted his ass and he broke these stories when he didn't even have to, when he didn't have a job, you know, what can he add to our to our place of employment if we can bring them on and so basically you know that's what i've been doing and i you know i was fortunate the past few weeks to 
to be able to to break some coaching stuff and um you know it it's been fun it's it's totally it's really different though it's um you know be not being affiliated with with a company just doing it on your own it's it's hard to describe but it is a a weird and unique feeling it's, it, it is it's got to be strange and freeing at the same time that's it, well that's I, probably the best description yeah you're right yeah cuz i i mean so i'm doing this this podcast i'm doing on my own but i am employed by sports illustrated and by sirius xm so not really on my own because anything i say here that gets sent out to thousands of people reflects on sports illustrated and sirius xm so i got so i got to be a little bit careful how how i handle this is it is it a little different when it's kind of your own pirate ship you know it is andy but my my big thing and you know from back in our days at the Tribune, I've, I've always gone by the philosophy. I'd rather get beat on a hundred stories and be wrong on one. So just because I'm not, you know, employed by ESPN now, I'm not going to just um, randomly throw rumors out that I don't know are accurate. I'd rather, again, I'd rather get beat on a story than be wrong. So I'm, I'm still going through the process of vetting everything, you know, verifying reports or information's accurate before I, before I go forward with it. Um, but it, it is, it is, it does feel a little bit different. The, the other thing is it, you know, at ESPN when stories, when other reporters broke stories, you know, our news desk would contact us and say, Hey, you got, can you guys verify this, confirm it, advance the story, whatever the case may be. That's actually very, very nice. Not having to worry about, having to do all that it's like yeah if if i can do it i'll I'll do it on my own but it's not no longer a requirement where i can say yeah you know what um andy staples broke this story and i i have no i have no desire to confirm it so congrats Andy. (laughs) i got nothing yeah i'll I'll tweet that's what i'm usually saying when you break something i'll tweet it out you broke it and i'll you know i'll go uh i'll go back to seeing binging on netflix or whatever well, that's what it, it's interesting because the advancing the story part, what employers sometimes don't understand is some, sometimes there's nothing to advance. You can't do sometimes, that, right? Yeah. Yeah, the news has been reported and, and, and it's out, and there's not much you can do at that point. So well, that was my that um, was my favorite going on Sports Center after breaking a, a, a coaching firing or hiring or realignment or whatever it was. Literally, you know, the story has has broken ten minutes ago. And they come on and they say, okay, um, they ask me the question about the specific, what just happened. And then their next question is, what's the latest? I'm like, there is no latest. <laughs> it was it. 10 minutes we're, ago, guys. <laughs> yeah, we're up to date. There are no further developments, but that's just kind of the, the TV mindset. What's the it's, latest? It, truly, truly amazing. And, and for the three of you who don't know, when I introduced Brett as our own Brett McMurphy, that was a reference to Steve Levy. During the UCF USF game, when Brett wrote that Scott Frost was heading to Nebraska as the head coach, uh, that was Steve Levy saying that Brett reported this news. He said our own because Brett obviously used to work for ESPN, and Steve got a little confused. But how did how much did your phone explode when that happened? Yeah, it, it blew up. I was I was watching the game. I you know I tweeted earlier that Frost. Um, had accepted the job. He had actually had cold feet 
um, leading up to the weekend of the conference championship game with Nebraska. And then Tom Osborne came out and, and said so much, um, you know, a few days after the official hiring. So I had reported it. So it was out there. I was, you know, again, I'm not at ESPN anymore. So I'm kind of curious on how they, they attribute information that I report. Um, they have gone various ways of doing that. So with, with this instance, they attributed it to me and said first reported. And, and I thought that was cool. And then Steve got on the air and it's like, there's multiple reports. Scott Frost is headed to Nebraska. And I thought, okay, that's it. And then he said, first reported by our own Brett McMurphy. And <laughs> my first reaction was I just started laughing. I thought it was funny. Um, obviously, Steve, you know, Steve's a good friend. It wasn't uh, mean-spirited or anything. He's in the middle of calling a game. Right, and, and, he, and it, I just messed it. Speaking, I just messed it up on this. Mind. It was the yeah, UCF yeah. Memphis game when it happened. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he just um, – so I got a lot of texts from people at ESPN – you know, some good friends that are like, "Hey, congrats! I, I hear you. I hear you came back." Um, joking with me, knowing knowing that obviously wasn't the case, um, but it was pretty cool. And then the next day, uh, Steve tweeted out, um, in, "In case you guys didn't hear, I thought Brett McMurphy did a tremendous job reporting yesterday." And uh, John Bucci-Gras, who who uh, um, is very cool and like I like like him a lot he he replied and said hours forever so it was uh it was uh it was a fun time and uh you know it it was cool because i also heard from a lot of people i haven't heard from in a while that said hey what you know heard you on heard they mention you on the the ucf game or what's going on so that was pretty cool so let's let's talk about this coaching carousel because it's shocking you know because you cover it day to day and you're just trying to keep up with all the news. But I was looking at it earlier today at just the list of all the changes, and it hits you how many huge programs changed coaches this year. Texas A&M, Florida, Florida State, Nebraska, Oregon, Tennessee, all of these places have new coaches. It's, it, it is nuts. So what was, of all these moves, what was the one – that you would have said, if I had told you a year ago this is going to happen, that you would have said, there is no way that guy is coaching there? I wouldn't have thought Jimbo Fisher would leave Florida State, but we never would have known. They, Francois gets hurt in week one, and they they struggle and go five and six, six and six, and then he would leave. Because if, if Jimbo has the season, you know, this is always fun, the what-if game. And I know you've done some, some – good awesome stories in the past kind of like oh if this team would have made this field goal how the entire coaching landscape would have would have changed dramatically this this in about five years i'm gonna have a fun one of these oh yeah so if let's say francois doesn't get hurt let's say florida state does what it's supposed to do and they go 11 and 1 10 and 2 i don't know they win the acc they're acc runner-up i don't necessarily know if jimbo goes to a&m I think that impacts what happened with Kevin in A&M. They had already made up their mind, which asked the questions, why didn't you just get rid of him last year? There wasn't anything he could have done this year that you would have kept him, short of 13-0. and So my point is Jimbo was frustrated by a lot of stuff that happened on the field this year. I know he brought up 
in his in his press conference about the administration and not getting what you need and yada yada yada. I would argue if if they had the season that they were supposed to have and he's eleven and two, playing playing Clemson or not playing but playing in the for the ACC title. Um, I don't know necessarily if if he goes. Maybe if he does go, it's actually for more than seventy five million. Because if he's oh not six, and, if he's not five and don't don't you think if he's not five and six, then you're gonna oh yeah you're, they, you're they having might to drag to him out of there. He willingly left, willingly with seventy five million. I think it's a that thing totally totally flips if he has a great season. Um, and then but here's the, the thing: the dominoes with that. It had to be Jimbo Fisher, and and so. Billy Lucci from Texags, who's probably the most connected guy in College Station, oh, he yeah. and I were talking back in April, and we were discussing what happens if they fire Kevin Sublin. Who can give them what they want? Who among the current coaches has the the experience and the bona fides to give them what they want? And we basically kind of narrowed it down to the coaches that have won national titles. The only one we could even envision – having a chance of moving was Jimbo Fisher. You know, you're not going to move Dabo. You're not going to move Urban. You're not going to move Nick Saban. So Jimbo Fisher had to be the target. But at that point, you didn't see a path for him to go. And my thing was, if if they didn't get him, the the next step down was pretty far. So... Everybody was going to be terribly disappointed if they didn't get him, no matter who it was they hired, because they could not sell it. So you had to get that kind of splash hire. The other coach I think that, that fits that mold is Chris Peterson, and there's no way in hell he would he would go to Texas A&M. Right. He's, no, I he's agree. Good I, and where I thought he is. when they when the reports came out about Fisher being targeted, I thought, well, good luck, because if you don't get him, you don't have a plan B. And if you thought Tennessee's fan base went ballistic. Wait, wait till we see what happens with A&M. But as far as if, you know, predicting, I, I probably would have put a close second, although I knew there was some, you know, some unrest or whatever. But still, I, I if you ask me before the season, if Jim McElwain has a, has a good season this year, I would have expected him to be back in Florida next year. Now, if, if oh, they yeah. struggled again – you know, coming off two SEC East East titles, um, you know, maybe if there's a little dip, yeah, they, they, you know, the natives will get restless. But I, I would have, I would have thought uh, McElwain would have been back at Florida next year too. So it's it's funny the entire. I mean, you know, you and I both live in Florida. The, the entire Florida landscape is flipped upside down. I mean, you know, we have the potential of Miami loses their bowl game and UCF wins. I, I have not looked this up. I probably will at some point, but I'm pretty confident in saying the highest rated team from the state of Florida in the AP has never not been Florida, Florida State, or Miami. And that's a very real possibility this year. And you look at the success of USF and UCF and the struggles at Florida, Florida State. And I, I don't think this is long term. I think this is a one, probably a one year. Um, you know, speed bump. Anomaly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Or, or um, pothole, if you will. But, yeah, I think I think Taggart is the, one of the best hires of the offseason. 
And I think Dan Mullen, even though they looked at Chip Kelly, they talked to Scott Frost, they talked to Mike Gundy. Um, I think ultimately Mullen um, is the guy that fits up, there the best. Yeah, could end up being the best guy there. I never, I never thought Chip was a real consideration. I'd heard a few months ago that he was actually looking at Arizona State. That that was a real possibility, and obviously when <laughs> little when, did um, he know Herm Edwards was getting that job. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Individually, okay. Uh, you since you just brought up the McElwain thing, individual. If that had happened any other year, it would be the craziest story of the year. It's not even cracking the top five this year. Yeah, I was going to say on the Olympic uh, crazy coaching medal stand, it doesn't even medal. Yeah, and 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 I I agree with you. I I did not realize that Jim McElwain was going to get fired. I didn't foresee that as a realistic possibility until the Monday of Georgia week when he mentioned the death threats thing and Florida comes out with that statement that says, we asked him for clarification, and his response was basically, nah. So then what, I if knew he, what if he doesn't it was bring over. that up? Do they keep him, or do they still make the move? I, it, I think it depends on what happens. I think – they would not have lost the way they lost to Missouri, probably. They might have been able to beat Missouri. Uh, they still would have lost the way they lost to Georgia. Uh, right. That What happened that week didn't change anything. I mean, Kirby was going to step on Florida's throat oh, no matter absolutely. what. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, I still think they lose to South – well, South Carolina tried really hard to lose that game, uh, and, and, and Florida still managed to, to find a way to lose. But they would have lost to Florida State still. And I, I think losing to Florida State this season – the way Florida State was, would have been the last straw, even if that stuff had never come up. Because right. there still was that tension behind the scenes. He just brought it into the open when he did that. Yeah. But that, you know, that's, um, you know, it's funny. Just one little thing happens, and it just sets off this domino effect that just trickles through. But, you know, what I was mentioning earlier, I, I – I really think Mullins, like you said, the be- going to be the best fit for Florida. I think Taggart is an unbelievable. High I love the Taggart State. hire at Florida and State. Everyone I, that's I, on Taggart about, well, you you know, I saw the the tweet, the note, whatever. Taggart's had th- held three jobs in the last 365 days. Well, you know what? If if the Florida State and Oregon jobs would have opened up last year when he was at USF, he would have went to Florida State. So. He went yeah, to Oregon. Everything was working toward this right. job. His entire life out. goal was to get this job. Right. He had to get out of a group of five school. I mean, that's group of five people don't like it when I say that, but, but that's the reality. The, the, the gap is growing larger by the minute. You can't win a national championship at a group of five school. And if you're there, you need to get to a power five job. And he had the opportunity to go to Oregon. I would, I would say if, um, with all the other openings there were, um, if Florida State wasn't open, will he still be at Oregon? He wasn't trying to leave Oregon. He wasn't running from Oregon. But like he was said, trying to get to Florida State. His dream job. And he, he had told me last year, you know, um, when I talked to him one day, just I don't, we were talking about career goals or something, and, and he had mentioned about, you know, he had mentioned Florida State and, you know, even said something about his, his kid, you know, was – was doing the tomahawk chop chop when he was a uh, you know barely able to walk and stuff and so that's something that resonated with him and um 
you know, again, I, I agree with you. I said he'll kill recruiting wise. He'll get that offense going. I mean, he had, he had a stretch at Oregon where he had his teams at USF and Oregon had scored over 30 points in like 23 consecutive games that streak ended when Justin Herbert broke his collarbone. But by comparison, the next coach closest coach was like five or six games in a row. It may have been Gundy or Chad Morris. I can't remember now, but yeah, very, very, uh, very excited to see how Willie does. And, uh, and, uh, is it Tagahassee now? That's right. Now, now though, we need to get to the mother of all crazy, the Tennessee <laughs> coaching search. This, that thing spiraled out of control faster than I could have ever imagined. And, and you, you and I both know John Curry. We both feel like he's a competent athletic director. Uh, but that thing just got out of hand quick. That's uh, one way of putting it. Um, I've never, I've never been involved in anything or reported on anything as bizarre as that. He, had, uh, Tennessee officials obviously had multiple conversations with multiple candidates. Um, you know, he was prepared to hire Mike Leach. Uh, the chancellor told Curry come back to Knoxville. Um, they did not want him to hire Leach and then fire him the next day. Um, multiple sources told me that there were there were people with ties to Tennessee that were sabotaging the coaching search because to make Phil Fulmer the full-time athletic director. And sure enough, about five hours after after I reported that, I think Bruce Feldman reported something similar. Phil Fulmer is introduced as your new current full-time permanent athletic director. So it worked. They got Jeremy Pruitt, who I think will do an awesome job, but you know, Vols fans, you got, you got what you wanted. So let's, let's see how that works and let's see what you paint on the rock when Pruitt has his first uh, two game losing streak. Well, it's going to be a weird situation. And and so from what what I've gathered talking to, to people at Tennessee and then people on, on the other sides of all this, it wasn't necessarily him going after Mike Leach. If he'd have tried to hire Mike Leach first, Mike Leach would be Tennessee's coach. John Curry would be Tennessee's athletic director. And none of this would have ever happened. But it was actually going after Dave Doran that was the last straw for the folks there. And... What you saw was, and and what you what you reported on was it was the upshot of a power struggle that's been going on for a while, between, you know, the biggest family of donors, the Haslam family, and their handpicked person was John Curry, and uh, their handpicked candidate was Greg Schiano, and then you had all a, a lot of other Tennessee donors, a lot of former players, and that side of the the, the coin, where they were the ones backing Philip Fulmer. And we're backing Philip Fulmer to get the AD job back when it was open. It was a very – that whole deal was strange because Curry was not really a candidate until he was. And so the, the – you know, he was the, the hand-picked guy for the, the biggest donors and, and all that. And this whole power struggle came to a head during the coaching search, which is crazy. Well, the, the biggest problem I had with the whole thing was the Tennessee 
And I, I loosely call them fan base because I don't think it was every fan, but I don't know how else to, you know, to, I don't know what else to call them. But no, there's a, it was a lot base. of rank and rank and file. You're talking about the, the revolution as they, as they call it, or the, the Bolshevik revolution where they, they basically rose up and vetoed the, the Greg Schiano hire. Right. And whatever you want to call them. The, my biggest problem was that they did this uh, under the illusion that it was because Greg Schiano had some knowledge of what Jerry Sandusky and what happened at Penn State. Right. That's 1,000% BS. Uh, right. They, they, did they did it because they did it because they didn't like him as a football coach, and that's fine. I don't right. have a problem you, with them I, not I liking agree. the hire. If you, if you don't think he's a good coach because what happened with Rutgers at the Bucks, you didn't think Ohio State's defense was, was any good this year, fine. No, I have no problem with that. But to to make it out like it's this big, you know, this big issue that, you know, we can't, we can't stoop that low by allowing somebody like this at our university. That's hogwash. If John Gruden had the same quote baggage that Shiano had, the reaction from Vol Nation would have been, John, do you want a lifetime contract? So don't make it out that it's this big morality play. It was simply, you didn't think he was a good coach. I have no problem with that. But then don't bring up what at best what's been hearsay and say, well, we can't have someone like that a part of our program. Right, and I, and I do think I, I, I think totally Tennessee kept, should pay him some money. Yeah, and I I kept I um I was told by a number of people that because of that there was not a there wouldn't be a, a current Power Five coach that would take that job because of what happened to Shiano, what happened to Curry. Um, and sure enough, there, there was one that still would have taken it, but they never called him back after they uh, after they yeah. interviewed him. Well, and then the three finalists were coordinators, so it, it worked for him. We'll we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I think Jeremy Pruitt of of the group that so of all the people they talked to, I would say Leach <laughs> probably was would have been the best hire because he can win anywhere. Uh, but Jeremy Pruitt would have been number two for me on that that list because yeah. he he's a great recruiter he's worked if you, if you want to sabinize your program now i know tennessee has has tried and failed to sabinize before with Derek dooley but jeremy pruitt has worked in every cog in the sabin machine he is he's been through the entire deal he was director of player personnel when he got hired from hoover high school he worked kind of the the you know the real thankless jobs gets moved up to DB's coach. And remember, as, as Jeremy Pruitt always says, you know who the real DB's coach at Alabama is. It's Nick Saban. <laughs> right. And then and then he's D.C. at Florida State and Georgia and then back to D.C. at Alabama. So no one should understand the, the organizational structure better than Jeremy Pruitt. So if he's organized at all, he should be able to install that at Tennessee and he should be able to get players. And now we'll just see if he can handle the CEO responsibilities. I, I would have loved this to have seen Mike Leach at Tennessee because, you know, ev with everyone going the Saban route, um, you bring in a guy who's going to throw a knuckleball. And, you know, it would have been fascinating on the field. It would have been even more fascinating off the field. Could you imagine SEC media days with, with Mike Leach on the podium. That would have been amazing. He, he, he probably wouldn't amazing. take any questions because his mo opening monologue would have, would have – took up oh he'd filibuster there's no question the, the, and, and it's well, funny it wouldn't, be a filibuster. it wouldn't be intentional 
It's just he would <laughs> he would get on a tangent and start going, and it'd be like uh, 45 minutes would be up, and, and Kevin would say, uh, Coach, we don't have any time for any questions. The conference is over. But, yeah, that would have been great. I, I, I will say losing Brett Bielema from the conference is going to be a serious blow at SEC Media Days. I like Chad Morris, but he's not nearly as much fun as Brett Bielema is in a situation like that. Yeah, they've lost some. They've lost some talkers with with Spurrier and Bielema out the door in the past few years. So, you'd sign up for the Brett Bielema Kevin Selman TV show, right? I think Absolutely. that's where we're headed, anyway. Yeah, I, I, I would assume. Now we'll see what happens with K State and and Bill Snyder, and he's still trying to get Sean Snyder that job. Would you be shocked if if Bill Snyder pulled a uh, retire in August, so that? he can handpick the interim kind of deal. You know, Andy, I've, I've talked to dozens of people about what they think Bill Snyder is going to do. And everyone says the same thing. Only Bill Snyder knows what he's going to do. Now I reported on Facebook um, earlier this year that Kansas state um, had a agreement, verbal agreement with Jim Levitt to make him the coach in waiting they had everybody on board, including the university president, key boosters, uh, except for Bill Snyder. And Bill Snyder nixed the idea. Um, and then tried to hire so, him as the linebackers coach. And then tried to hire him as the linebackers coach, yeah. Which he wouldn't. he's not going to take when he's a defensive coordinator at Oregon and had an offer from Ole Miss. So, I, you know, I talked to somebody actually this week, and I was saying, do you think, you know, Bill Snyder steps down uh, – after this season and they said why would you say that and I said well you know I would think the health could be a concern he battled cancer uh, 78 years old and their response was his his health seems fine um, and if he's got good also health, the man is a wizard let's yeah, let's it, not right he's, and, and he, I don't want him to he's... I'm not trying I'm not I don't want it to sound like I'm saying he should oh he he's down. earned the right to do it however he wants I'm not to do saying it. that at all absolutely yeah. when he decides um and it sounds like you know he's not he's not ready to step down and again when I when I broke the the story about Levitt and Kansas State agreement from last year and how many uh radio stations are in Kansas I don't know but I was on every single one that week <laughs> But I, I said the same thing. Ultimately, I said the number one question I have that I don't know and I don't know the answer to, and I don't know if it, maybe Kansas State already has this answer. What? How much influence are they going to allow Bill Snyder to have on naming the next coach? Because it is in his contract that he does have a, he will be able to provide input. It does not say that he can name the next head coach. So there's a gray area there. But ultimately, that's a decision Kansas State's president and new AD Gene Taylor have to determine is what, if any, input they will allow Bill Snyder to have when Bill Snyder decides to retire. And there's always the fear of if you don't take his recommendation, you know, you don't want to, you know, have a bad ending or send off with Bill Snyder, it's similar to, you know. Bobby Bowden and FSU Bobby Bowden, part exactly. on, the, on the best of terms. I, I know they, they, that is since they've healed that. Um, but 
you know, this guy's name's on the stadium. So tread carefully. Well, that, my stock joke during the season as, as Tennessee season went down the drain was at least John Curry knows he doesn't have to deal with the succession deal at Kansas State. He's probably happier that it's just hiring a new coach at Tennessee. Boy, was I wrong on that. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, again, that's just – I don't think any anybody could have predicted that. And also another thing which we can look at in, in next season or coming years is how much will other fan bases try to influence coaching decisions based on what Tennessee did? Was that a well, one-time I, I, thing, or are we going to see more and more of that? I don't think it's going to become a common thing. I think – that was a case of, and, and this is having lived there and covered that program and, and kind of understanding where they're at. I mean, I've said this a few times that, that that fan base got fed a lot of poop sandwiches over about a nine year period and was basically told like this and shut up. And it, it snapped. It got tired of being told like this and shut up. And I don't have a problem with the customer saying, listen, we're going to stop buying the thing you're selling us. We get that we have an emotional connection and you think that we're always going to be here because, because we're fans, but that doesn't, that's not necessarily true. You can, you can eventually wear out the trust of your fan base. And I think with Tennessee, they were on the verge of wearing it out. And that, that was that fan base saying, we are not prepared to buy the thing you're going to try to sell us. So you better think very carefully about whether you're going to sell it to us or not. And I think Tennessee made the right choice here. Although, like I said, because of everything that happened and the way it happened, I think they do owe Greg Schiano some money because they have harmed – that whole deal has harmed his future employment prospects very badly. But he was the wrong choice for Tennessee. The, the, the thing was the fan base knew that better than the people running the show. And that's right. And it, kind it of was a, a perfect storm there because you st you had a faction of people that actually thought John Gruden would consider coming back to the colleges, which that was like five percent of them. They didn't really nobody really believed that. All I saw is everybody reporting Gruden's Gruden's talking with Tennessee. Gruden, you know, Tennessee's preparing to make a five hundred trillion dollar offer. I mean, it was significant enough where people actually felt the need that they. Had to report. I I also blame the, the Tennessee administration for that too. The thing, what you got to do with that right off the bat, is you call the guy. Are you interested? No, not interested. Great. Okay, let's have some fun with this and and put it to bed. And you know, you fly John Curry to to wherever Gruden is, take a funny picture of them having dinner, and put under there. He said he wants to keep calling games. Right. Sorry, right. guys have some fun with it, but that that's not necessarily on the Tennessee administration entirely. John Gruden has to agree to something like that. And I, it sounds like he likes to have his name bandied about bingo. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I, I, I think a lot of that is he could have put that to bed too and chose not to. And that's not good either. But I, I do believe that that was a very small percentage of the Tennessee fan base that actually, believed that John Gruden would come. Now, there were some people deep down the message board rabbit hole that really did believe it. And <laughs> uh, I mean, but the same thing. It's like the people in the deep down the Florida message board rabbit hole 
that were so convinced that Chip Kelly had signed an agreement to come to Florida that they started making up stuff like, oh, but he had an out clause for UCLA. Right, right. There was an out yeah. clause in the agreement he just signed three days ago to take another job in three days? No, that's not how these things work. So sometimes you just have to realize that, that there there is a, a minority in every fan base, a tiny minority that has no common sense and just can't handle this stuff. Well, you were talking about how, early how I report stuff, what I determined to report in my freer to report information. I, I had people that were – you know, would have sworn on their kids' lives that Chip Kelly had a signed agreement to come to Florida, that the Board of Regents had approved it, it was going to get announced the next day. Just multiple, multiple people telling me this. But I never could get anyone that I trusted to say, you know, that's accurate. So I sat on it and sat on it and sat on it. And it was, thankfully, I I did. It was wrong. So there were a ton. Yeah, that, still well, people to this day. That, here's the thing. Here, Here's how... Coaching searches work. When you identify your top choice and he's your guy, if you're going to fly up to New Hampshire to meet him, especially if you're going to bring the university president to help woo him, you're going to have everything done. Your numbers person will have already designed the framework of a contract. You will have already basically negotiated that contract with the person's agent. They did have everything done except for his signature. The thing was... When they left his house and went back to the plane, the people who were on that plane looked at each other and go and basically said to each other, "He's probably not coming." Right. They knew. Right. They knew. They knew. And and Chip's team knew. Chip's team knew that Chip was intrigued by the possibility of coaching at UCLA. They knew that he was intrigued by the possibility of coaching at of coaching at Arizona State. They knew that he knew himself that he's a better fit for those places because he's a smart guy. You know, he's one of the smartest people in the game. Of course he knows where he fits better. And so that, that was the thing. And, and from both sides, I, I was told that that meeting in New Hampshire with Florida and Chip Kelly went really well. Both sides really enjoyed getting to know one another. But ultimately, Chip had to be the one to convince himself that he wanted to be the most famous person in Gainesville, Florida, and talking to 17-year-olds basically 12 hours a day because that's the kind of emphasis you have to put on recruiting when you're a head coach in the SEC. Maybe that wasn't right for him, and he knew it. <laughs> and I love Gainesville, but if you ask me and my wife and daughter, you want to live in Gainesville or you want to live in L.A., we're heading west. See, I, I'm one of the few people on earth who would who would say, you would, nope. You would stay in Gainesville? Well, I'm just imagining what, what my house costs and what I could get in L.A. for that. So, That's true. Uh, I, 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 I'm looking, you know, looking out of the yard, looking at the neighborhood, and I'm like, you know, as a two-bedroom apartment, this would not be so great. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So, yeah, but that's that's the thing. I mean, you gotta you got to trust the people telling you this information. And in that case, I had some people I trusted a whole lot saying, look, Chip hasn't decided yet. He'll decide when he decides and just stand down on that deal because he will, he will make a decision at some point, but it's, it's not going to be today. And so yeah. that night I said, you know, guys, hold off on this. He is Florida's first choice, 
He has not made a decision, but he's also UCLA's first choice. So we'll see what happens. And, you know, people got mad at me. Somebody said I was being a tool of the Florida administration, which if this is another thing I try to explain to people, if you use common sense, if Florida had signed Chip Kelly to a contract, they would announce it the moment the ink dried. <laughs> they would not wait. And that's what all the people were trying to make up excuses why they would wait. Oh, no, they want to do it at the basketball, introduce them at the basketball game. No, they don't want to do it before the Florida State game. No. They did it on a, on a Sunday night is when they, when they went and visited him. If he had signed a paper in New Hampshire, they would have announced it before they got on the plane to come back. They actually would have dropped pamphlets from the plane yes. announcing the Yes, from too. the plane – Congratulations, Chip Kelly, new Florida coach, all down the eastern seaboard on the way. Yes. As they go over Tallahassee, they would have dropped it out of the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, good luck, Seminoles. We don't know who your coach is going to be, but we got ours. Now, and, and the interesting thing about all this, despite all the machinations, for Florida and Florida State, I think they wound up with the person they were supposed to get. Right. I agree. Which is going to be really interesting in that rivalry because I think both those people, you know, they don't look at these as stepping stone jobs. They look at these as forever jobs. So Willie Taggart, Dan Mullen, you may see head-to-head for a long, long time if this works out. Do you, do, you think, do you think 10 years from now, at the last game of the regular season, we'll see a, a Dan Mullen-Willie Taggart matchup? If they're successful, yes. If, if they struggle, the, they'll move on to somebody else. But I, I don't see them moving. I don't see them having success and then jumping to another, to another. No, that's uh, not. So that, but that was my question. Do you think they'll both be successful at these jobs? Yeah, I think they'll both be successful. Now I don't know. I I don't know if either one has aspirations to go to the NFL or not. So that could be something down the road. But um, but yeah, no. I I think they'll be successful. Um. You know, the East is up for grabs. You know, although Georgia obviously has emerged as an Alabama-like team, we'll see if, if that's long-term or is that just a, a one-year deal for Kirby. I, I think it's long-term. So, yeah, they, they should have success there. Tennessee's going to get better. And then, you know, Florida State's Florida State, you know. They're, Willie will crush it there. So, I, the thing is when you say – I don't know if I can see any coach where they're at in 10 years, to be honest. Because it, well, it seems like I think Jimbo Fisher is a great example of that. Yeah, you yeah. Wear, not you wear out your welcome, but the fans get sick of you. You get sick of, of the the situation, and then you start. I don't know if this is fair, but it's almost like you start looking for reasons on why the grass is greener somewhere else, instead of just being content with with where with where you are. And maybe some of that's because of the the social media, because of the the day to day drumbeat of the fans you know, not being satisfied for whatever reasons at certain times where before you really didn't hear all of the, the noise um, surrounding. Maybe because of that, that kind of shortens the shelf life. I, I know it, Scott Strickland said something about he had to get off Twitter at some point during the, the coaching search because his head was uh, paraphrasing. His head was going to explode or the noise was too loud or whatever. It's never ending. And probably because of that, you know, that, that's a great question. Sounds like a, a future Andy Staples uh, think piece. That's exactly will, right. Will we ever, you know, 
can we ever see a coach be somewhere? Will there be another Bobby years? Bowden? Is yeah. Saban, Saban, which you would have made a gazillion dollars on, will he last three years at Alabama before he goes to the NFL? Maybe the last guy at a power five that stays somewhere more than 10 years. Who knows? It's, it's crazy. He, he was the least he, likely guy you would have thought of going back to when, when he came aboard. And you talk about the grass being greener. 75 million guaranteed dollars for Jimbo Fisher is a lot of green on the grass. And you better win the national title because that's the only goal that's right. that they have. Anything less is a failure, but you're getting $75 million either way. But, right, exactly. And you can buy lots of Christmas trees. It's their own Jimbo Fisher. He's <laughs> our own Brett McMurphy. Thank you so much, Brett. Thank you, Andy. Happy holidays. Enjoyed it, and I'm sure I'll see you over the coming days or weeks. That's right. Well, I'm waiting for you to start your search firm, and then I'm going to be your <laughs> PR guy for the Brett McMurphy search firm. That's your, that's your next career step. Okay. We'll, we'll talk off the air. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I want to, I want to, I want to sign. I want Jimbo Fisher money for, to be your PR guy. So <laughs> we're going to have to work on that. <laughs> All right, thanks, Brett. Thanks, Andy.